Good evening and welcome to Point of View. I'm Chris Berg. Thank you so much for joining us. We start tonight with some breaking news. This literally just came across uh, right before we got in the air. Mandan police now with the assistance of the North Dakota Bureau of Criminal Investigation as well as McLean County Sheriff's Department do have a person that is detained that is associated obviously with this horrific, horrific homicide. Four people killed uh, Monday in Mandan. There is going to be a press conference coming up. So if that starts before the end of our show, we'll take you out live to the press press conference with the Mandan police. So just to repeat, person that they believe is of interest with the four-person homicide that happened in Mandan on Monday. This absolutely just heinous, horrific crime. We'll get in a little bit of that in a moment, uh, but has now been detained. And we'll give you the latest as we get more information. Producer Joss, if you get more information, uh, please let me know so we can keep our audience up to date. Uh, right now, they're saying that there's this one person. In fact, I think one of the things that's interesting that was some new news that we were going to talk about uh, before this breaking news just took place was the fact of what uh, the Mandan police chief, Jason Ziegler, said yesterday. He actually put out an, a video statement yesterday. And he said something that really jumped out to me. So I'm going to share with you just a short clip of that because that obviously lines up with what they have here. Uh, and we'll go from there. And we continue our investigation to bring this person responsible into custody. So let's cross our fingers that the person they have detained right now is this person that he's referring to. I do not want to get ahead of my skis here in any way, shape or form. But I will tell you this, multiple, multiple sources are telling me that if you were to know what took place in this crime scene, unfathomable. Let me just put it to you that way without getting into details. What took place in this crime scene, absolutely unfathomable, let alone in Mandan, North Dakota. Obviously, I, we're going to let the police do what they do. They can release those details if they see fit. I think also one more important thing to note is that tomorrow, RJR Management, the company, uh, at least as of earlier today, is intending to hold their own press conference at 4 p.m. tomorrow. So we'll have that coverage for you as well to get you as much information about what took place with a four-person homicide in Mandan, North Dakota. Obviously, that community is still on edge. We had a chance from our KFYR station on Bismarck to go out in the community, visit with some people to get the latest on how they feel about this situation in Mandan. My heart goes out for this family. I wouldn't know what I would do if I experienced that. It's just tragic. Residents tell me although they're looking for answers too, they trust what the police are doing. There's no threat or no harm to the community and I'm learning to just trust and to rely on that. I believe that if there was a danger, they would tell us. However, some on social media have a different attitude, saying they don't feel safe in their community. But Police Chief Jason Ziegler has said Monday. There is no reasons based upon the information that we have that the public safety is, a, is at peril. Tuesday. We do not believe the public at large is in any danger. And Wednesday. We do not feel the public is in any danger. That the public is not in danger. Since the last few days have gone by, I, you know, feel okay that uh, things are still you know secure in the in the town many saying though this is just something they've never seen before again i don't want to get into my skis here and give information that the police have not disclosed but as they just said there, something that they've never seen before uh, i'm telling you from the people that i've talked to if they if in fact they even release what took place in this crime scene um 
it's it's frightening. Let me just put it that way. Very, very frightening. Did one person carry this thing off to have four people in this homicide? We'll have more information for you from the uh, police presser, assuming that takes place here before the end of the show. All right, let's move on to this. Last week, Minnesota Governor Tim Wall spoke at a CARE Minnesota event. That is uh, American Islamic Relations Organization. I'm sure you heard the Council of American Islamic Relations. That's the name of this organization. He spoke at an event called Challenging Islamophobia. By the way, I think this is pretty important to know for some context here. CARE, CARE's got a long history in affiliation with Hamas and Hezbollah, known terror organizations. CARE also reportedly has a co-conspirator in the largest terrorist financing case in U.S. history. It went unindicted, but I think it's important to share that with you just so you've got some context of what I'm about to share with you about your governor, Tim Walls, speaking at this event. At the event, he also says, hey, I'm going to propose now that we go out and we spend Minnesota taxpayer money. So your money, you sitting at home in Minnesota, they want to open up three offices in greater Minnesota to fight Islamophobia. They want to put that in Worthington, these offices in Worthington, Bemidji, and Duluth. Couple things here. One, notice all three offices are in greater Minnesota. I don't know what exactly that says. You can deduce for yourself what you think that says about Governor Walls putting all three of these fight Islamophobia offices in greater Minnesota. You can make your own deductions from there. But also the, the most important question is this. Does Minnesota have an Islamophobia problem? Very sincere and real question in my opinion. Here's the data. According to a 2017 FBI report, police agencies reported 48 anti-black hate crimes, uh, 21 anti-white, 21 hate crimes that were motivated by the LGBTQ community, 16 anti-Jewish crimes. And look, one hate crime is too many, but at the very bottom of this list was 10 anti-Muslim crimes. There was more anti-white crimes in Minnesota than there were anti-Muslim crimes. So is Governor Walz going to go stand up now and talk at a fighting anti-white or whiteophobia event too? I mean, I just want to know, is there a sincere Islamophobia problem taking place in Minnesota? Because also, let me remind you about this. Right now in the state of Minnesota, they've elected, overwhelmingly elected, a Muslim attorney general who, oh, by the way, had allegations of domestic violence against him. We bring this graphic up so we can show people who we're talking about. Remember Keith Ellison? He was just recently elected in Minnesota as your attorney general with allegations of domestic violence. Also, Representative Elon Omar, if we can bring this graphic up, please. Representative Elon Omar, the first female Muslim elected to Congress in the state of Minnesota. So here you've got two elected officials, one a statewide elected official, overwhelmingly elected, and yet Governor Walls is focused on challenging Islamophobia. I, I, I Sincerely, is there a problem there? By the way, also with Representative Elon Omar, she was overwhelmingly elected in her district. Keep in mind, she went out and actually wrote to a judge. Remember, there was the nine Somalis in Minnesota who were charged because they wanted to go and fight for ISIS. They wanted to go fight for ISIS, a terrorist organization, so they could go out and kill you and me, the infidels. Representative Omar writes a letter to the judge saying, hey, please, can you just please take it easy on these nine guys that wanted to go overseas and end up killing infidels? Just take it easy on them. She was overwhelmingly elected. And yet Governor Walls is saying, hey, there's an Islamophobia problem in Minnesota. Do you think there is one or not? So he was speaking at this event. Here's some of what he had to say. We will call out 
baseless attacks on our Muslim brothers and sisters at every chance, and we will hold accountable those politicians who choose to use this division to further their own careers. He's going to call out those politicians that choose to use that kind of division to further their own careers. Was he also including Representative Elon Omar there and her anti-Semitism, her anti-Israeli comments as well? This didn't get reported very much, but I did reach out to Governor Walls earlier in March and said, hey, how do you feel about the fact that you've got a woman here who's anti-Israeli, anti-Semite, and she's on the Foreign Relations Committee? Should she stay on that committee? He sent me back a statement and says, look, that's up to Congress to deal with that stuff. I don't really want to weigh into those waters. But I also said, how do you feel about her anti-Semitic remarks? Here's what he had to say. If we have this graphic, please. He said, uh, anti-Semitic language, that was the right one, if we can bring that up, please. Anti-Semitic language is never acceptable. We as a nation need to continue to foster acceptance. I encourage Representative Omar to continue to engage in meaningful conversation with the Jewish community as well as her colleagues. So I wanted to lay that out for you tonight. I think it's very important again to understand that you've got multiple elected officials that are Muslim in Minnesota, and yet your governor is standing up because he wants to now spend your money on three different offices across greater Minnesota to fight Islamophobia when anti-Islamic hate crimes are the lowest one, according to the FBI, the lowest amount that took place in the great state of Minnesota. All right, Tommy Fisher. We know Tommy Fisher because uh, I was down in Arizona with him. He, Tommy Fisher is the CEO of Fisher Industries out of Dickinson, who is working hard, possibly may get the bid to build the wall on the southern border. We went down there for the demo he did for the Department of Homeland Security. Well, Tommy has been in D.C. this week sitting down with DHS, Department of Homeland Security, Senator Hoven, Senator Kramer, other uh, elected leaders. So he went to our D.C. Bureau earlier today to find out, hey, what's the latest? How do things look for you actually getting the bid to build the wall? Tommy, welcome back to Point of View. You've been making some rounds in uh, D.C., met with the Department of Homeland Securities and others. The most important meeting that you had and the most important thing that our audience should know about your meetings is what? Well, we met with DHS again and, and gave them a proposal um, guaranteeing 218 miles in under basically a year uh, for a fixed firm price of $3.3 billion. And um, we also got to explain some of the technology, the road, and everything else with it. So um, they, they took it under advisement and um, said they would get back to us. And that, I mean, did their jaw drop when you said, hey, we can save you, you know, $2 billion and get it done sooner? Or were they kind of like... Oh, okay, we'll think about it, or what was their reaction? Well, some of it is, is it's pretty stunning because with the performance um, that they've received 40 miles in the last uh, two and a half years, there was some hesitation, can you really build 218 miles in a year? And I answered an affirmative yes. We, we do what we say, and we say what we do. So let's follow up on that. You said uh, 40 miles in the last two and a half years. One, is that brand new 40 miles of wall or is that just reconstruction and two president trump's going down to california tomorrow to sort of tout how much wall has been built what you would say you to that well it's all re reconstruction but the project that he's going to go on that was the two mile fence that took uh eight months so hopefully the president asks the question how long did it take you to build you know this two miles and when he gets the answer of eight months um and he knows that there's another company that could have done it in two days, uh, there's a big difference. So I'm sure as you're out and about, Tommy, you can sense the frustration with the public. I know we here back in North Dakota are frustrated this isn't getting done sooner. This is the promise of the President Trump campaign. 
I sense, and I don't know if I'm reading this right, but some frustration on your part as well. So what, what needs to happen to start to move this ball down the field? When I hear two miles in eight months, I'm not a construction guy, but that sounds ridiculous. What needs to, to get, take place to get this done sooner or even possibly get you the bid? Well, I, I think that we published our price so everyone can see it. They can see exactly what we offer. So there's, you know, everything's out in the open. And I think now that there's so many people that know about it, from Congress to Senate, hopefully the Department of Defense, um, we met with other people from the White House as well, get the message across. We're not asking for any favors. We're asking for an honest shot. And once we get building, this border will be protected once and for all. And they'll see the difference of what a real security system looks like because we're not just going to build a fence with a dirt road. We're putting in a concrete road so these agents can do what they need to do. And we're putting in the technology that needs to go with so everybody's accountable. You know, the D.C. is such a swamp. There's so much bureaucracy. And the one thing that I have yet to get clarity on, and I've asked uh, some of our congressional um, delegation about this as well, now that President Trump has declared a national emergency, do you know for certain or not, can he essentially now say, hey, look, Tommy Fisher and Fisher Industries is our guy, we're going with them, let's just get it done? Or does he need to get congressional approval in order to go through the swamp and get you guys the bid and get the wall built? I think in a national emergency, they can. We, we have, um, with our patented technology, we have the ability to be sole sourced, but we also have an open IDIQ with DHS. So if they want to do it, I think there's a mechanism to get it done. And like I said, um, whether it's 218 miles, 10 miles, 20 miles, or whatever, once you see what we build, it's game over at that point. There is no way you're going to go back to uh, taking anything less than our high quality that we can deliver. Uh, you know, you had myself and uh, Scott Hennon down last month as you did a demo for the Department of Homeland Security. I know coming up on April 16th, what, just not even a couple weeks away, you're going to have now some congressional leaders down there. Who's going to be down there? What are you going to be doing, or what do you hope to accomplish? Well, there's uh, several congressmen that's uh, being toured uh, by Congressman Andy, Andy Biggs from Mesa. Um, I believe Matt Gatz, um, Tom uh, McClintock, um, several others. I don't want to leave anyone out. Um, and um, it looks like uh, Senator Kramer is going to join with Senator Cassidy. So we got a few senators, possibly Martha McSally. So there's going to be a big, big cons uh, congressional delegation there. And our hope was is to show, look, there is help on the way. You guys deal with the swamp every day. Here's a solution. We're a solution-driven company. Look with your own eyes. You can see it. And um, hopefully that message transfers back and enough's enough. Is Senator Hovind going to be there? Uh, I, I don't believe Senator Hovind was going to be there, but um, he was on the call and Senator Hovind wanted answers. And I think he's going to get answers where how many miles are being built, who's building what. He did a very nice job today on that. And uh, he's the kind of guy that will hold people accountable. And we're really proud to have him as a senator of North Dakota. So quick question, I don't know if you know this, but is it, is it a scheduling conflict? Because he seems like he'd be a great guy. He's on the uh, Homeland Security Committee. He's on appropriations for defense. So is it a scheduling conflict, or do we need to maybe pick up the phone and uh, encourage our Senator Hovind to show up? Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not quite sure. I, I heard that there might be another delegation of senators that want to go down. We met with Senator Johnson today, and we're hoping that his chief of staff will join us. Um, and uh, just to let everyone know that there is help and that there, 
you know, there is a company out there that has a solution that we can really do what we say, build over a mile a day. And this border has to get sealed up. I mean, it is, it's chaos down there and it's not fair for the agents, it's not fair for the people, um, you know, trying to cross either.